When hinges creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. Please make room for everyone and step into the dead center of the room. There's no turning back now. No! <laughs> Oh, happy Halloween! How y'all doing? I just freaked some of you out, didn't I? Hey, welcome to church. This is church here at the X. We're a little different, we know. We still love Jesus, all right? Hey, I want to welcome everyone in our Lancaster location. Come on, help me out, Lithopolis, if you're watching this online. Great to have you. And uh, I don't know how many of you recognize, how many of you recognize that script? Raise your hand if you knew. Okay, there's a few of you that know what that is. Okay, but that script actually comes from a ride at Disney World called the Haunted Mansion. How many of you have been on that ride? Raise your hands. Okay, a lot of you have. You just didn't recognize that's what it's from. Now, I got to tell you something. That is my wife's favorite ride at the Magic Kingdom. The Haunted Mansion. I don't care so much about the ride as much as I like to get out of the heat in Florida and go through the air conditioning. But if you've never been on this ride, it's so cool though. You, you walk and they, they bunch everybody together and you get into this round room where there seems to be no doors. And they got these portraits of these old people who are just freaky on the walls. And then there's a host who speaks to you, a ghost host. That, that lets you know what you're about to experience. And then the room begins to drop and go down and you get on the ride. And it's a, it's a fun ride. If you've never been to Disney, it, it's actually, it is really a good ride. And the reason why I'm talking about it is because there's something about Halloween. I, I don't know if you noticed this and maybe you're into this. There's something about Halloween where we get fascinated with haunted houses. In fact, just a show of hands, how many of you like going through haunted houses? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you would never be caught dead in a haunted house? And yes, I said that on purpose. Yeah, that's me. I'm one of them. I was be honest with you. I have no desire to go through a haunted house. And I don't know why you do. I, I think maybe the only reason why we, we kind of think, oh, it's kind of fun, Halloween. We like to scare people. Um, the only reason why I think any of you Whatever go into a haunted house is because you know that it is not real, right? I mean, you're not going into some like scary looking house you see on the street somewhere that they're not charging you admission for the chance that there's actually some ghosts in there. I mean, you think about haunted houses and some of us, you know, like to go through these things and you know that there's no real ghosts. You know, it's just people dressed up. You know, there's no chainsaw murderer in there. It's just somebody with sound effects, right? We know that. And you know this. You know, if you go to a haunted house, that you are getting out of the house, right? Because if you're not getting out, I'm not going in. That's the way I am when it comes to haunted houses. Now, here's the thing about Halloween. Let's just be real about it, okay? The, the really scary thing, if I could say this Halloween, is that there are actually a lot of people who are going through life living, shall I say, haunted lives. In other words, it's not haunted houses, 
But there are a lot of us, could I just be honest and say, we're going through life where you're experiencing what I would call a haunted heart. A haunted heart. That's what I want to talk about today. What do I mean by it? I'm not talking about your heart that pumps blood through your body. I'm not talking about that muscle in your body. I'm talking about, when I say your heart, I'm talking about the real you. Okay? I'm talking about the person who is like, it is you, the not the skin and bones, not what you look like in a mirror, but I'm talking about like your mind, your emotions, you know, your soul, the, the real part of you that exists within or inside of your body. That's your heart. And here's the thing about a haunted heart that's so freaky. It's that no matter where you go, you can't get away from it. See, a haunted house, I can get out of that, right? At least we hope. But a haunted heart, let's be honest, you can't get away from you. It follows you everywhere you go. Even at times when, when, when you're all by yourself and there's moments when, like, you know, life should be good, but then all of a sudden maybe it gets quiet at night or... Or all of a sudden things come flooding back to your mind. It's in those places where, where oftentimes we feel haunted by things of our past. Haunted by ghosts and things that affect our heart. Can I tell you why I believe so many people today walking through life and we can't tell on the outside. You know why I think so many people have haunted hearts? Here, here's one of the reasons why. It's because in our culture we've gotten really good at following our own desires and passions. Like, like, I'm going to do what kind of really feels good to me to do. Have you ever heard this phrase? And this is so popular. Some of you have said this. Some of you have encouraged people with this. And we see this all the time on social media. Have you ever heard this phrase? People will tell you, you should just follow your heart. You heard that? Follow your heart. Maybe some of you tell that. You know, I was trying to encourage you and you don't know what to do. And just say, hey, come on, just whatever you feel in here, just follow. Be true to you. Have you ever heard someone um, say this, and sometimes they're using this when they've kind of screwed up. They'll say, hey, the heart wants what the heart wants. I can't help it. It's just my heart. And we're supposed to follow our heart, right? Isn't that the advice that we get in our culture? Can I just say something about following your heart? There are some people who have done some really good things because they followed the desires of their heart. I mean, if you want to be honest, if you think back in our, our world, our history, we have orphanages today because there were some people that followed godly desires in their heart to take care of those who had no one to take care of them. That's awesome. We have hospitals today. Do you know why we have hospitals today? Not just because of medicine. We have hospitals today because there were Christians a long time ago that just couldn't stand watching people who are suffering and not do something about it. And so they're following good and they're following godly desires in their heart. That's awesome. But can we also just agree? equally that there are a lot of people who have done a lot of evil things a lot of bad things in life that have claimed i'm just following my heart i mean let's be, let's be honest right there are some men who have abandoned their wives and their children all because they're following their heart the heart wants what the heart wants there are men and women who have walked away from their spouses and their marriage because they are pursuing somebody else because their heart they just fell in love with someone else there are people in this world who have cheated others out of thousands retirements millions of dollars simply because they're following the desires in their heart i believe that if jesus were here today he would maybe kind of caution us with this idea of following 
our heart. Why do I say that? Because Jesus actually talked about it. Jesus talked about the heart. He talked a lot about the heart. In fact, I want to read to you something that Jesus said about the heart. It's found in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Let me, let me read this to you. These are Jesus' words. He said, for it is from within... Out of a person's what? Come on, both locations, say it out loud. Out of a person's, it's, this is what, what he's going to talk about, comes out of our heart. He said that evil thoughts come. Oh, and sexual immorality, and theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. He said this, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. Wow, that's quite a list. He, he, he says all the evil, come think about this, all the evil in the world around us, so much evil. I mean, every day we wake up in the news, we hear something else awful, another tragic thing. All the evil, here's what Jesus said, it doesn't exist out there. He said it exists in here. It's in our heart. And I know some of you that, well, I'm not an evil person. I'm a good person. I know you're so good. You came to church on Halloween. I get it. You're a good person. But if I could just be real with you today, when I read through this list, I'm looking at these things that Jesus said. I got to be honest with you and go, oh, gosh, some of them hit me. Yeah, some of them hit me. Let, let, let me ask you this question. Just maybe don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Have any of, you, any of you ever stolen anything before? Don't raise your hand. I have. I'll be the one to raise my hand. I've taken some things before. I have. Just in my life. I mean, I'm sure none of you have. None of you ever theft. That's one thing Jesus said comes out. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. I'm sure no one's ever taken a little something from work that you figured no one's going to miss. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. I mean, it's just probably me. Just me. That's cool. You know, I, I wish I could stand here and tell you that I have never had an envious thought in my life. But it's not so true. You know, I'm on social media and I see, oh my gosh, why do they have that? And I wish I had that. I wish I could tell you, but sometimes I've been envious. I wish I could tell you I've never been greedy. But I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you. I have to fight greed all the time. I want more and I want more for me. I, these are things we gotta fight all the time. I wish I could tell you I have never slandered somebody else. But let me just tell you, I'm good with the tongue. I have ripped people to shreds up and down right in front of me. I've done that. Have you? Come on, let's be honest. Arrogance? Oh, I'm too good for that. I have never done, done that. Murder? No, I've never murdered anyone. I just, for a second, you were like, what's he going to say? I've never murdered anyone. I just want to confess that, okay, in front of everybody. That's good. I've never done that. However, I will say this. Have you ever, because I have, in your mind, I'd be okay if that person did, wasn't here. Have you ever, come on, let's be honest, like maybe a little bit, you know? I know what some of you are thinking right now. There's some guests with us today, and you're, you're just thinking, they let this guy be the pastor? What is up with this church? Hey, listen, it's perfect for you and me, and I'm only a pastor because I'm the one willing to admit that I've done those things and because of the grace of God. And, and I know we look at a, a list like this and we, get, we go, oh my gosh, that's so awful. There's so much evil out in the world. And Jesus said, eh, it's kind of not out there. It's actually in here. And so I think if Jesus were here today and he would show up, 
And he would hear this advice that is given so often in culture. And I would encourage you to stop giving this advice to anybody. If he'd hear someone go, you ought to follow your heart. I think if Jesus were here, I think he would look at us and he'd say, no, instead of following your heart, what you ought to do is check your heart. Hello? Check your heart. That's a John Christ reference for all the Christians here that know Christian comedians. About eight of you, but that's fine. Check your heart. That's, that's what he would tell us to do. What does it look like for us to check our hearts? And here's the thing. You might go, hey, listen, I don't do a lot of those things or, you know, I'm, I'm basically a good person. Here's what I can tell you this. Most of us, and, and, and I bet you you have, have been impacted by someone else's heart. This isn't just about what you have done. But I bet you have been deeply wounded or maybe affected or maybe have a haunted heart because of something someone else did that was evil inside their hearts. And so we have to recognize this, that there, there, there is evil, but it's not out there, it's in here. And we got to wrestle through it. I love this, this Proverbs I wanted to give you, Proverbs 4.23. Maybe it's great advice for us today. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else. Guard it. Guard, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. I would say that sometimes we need to guard our heart from other people. we got to guard our heart from bad advice. But I would tell you, sometimes we need to learn to guard our heart from ourselves. Because Jesus says, you know, all this evil, he's actually inside our hearts and it flows out of us. And what I wanted to talk about today is, is this, this haunted heart, because I think that there are many in our world today and we're going through life, and listen, you can have all the money in the world, you can be successful, you can have a great title, great job, great family, and still be miserable, still have a haunted heart. And I don't believe that's the way God intends for us to live life. I don't believe for one second, if you're here today and you say, oh gosh, I don't know if he's talking to me, but I... I feel like I got ghosts in my past. I feel like I got things that kind of just creep up. And every time I think life's going to get better, something just seems to drag me back down. Can I tell you, that's not how God wants us to live. God wants you to experience joy, freedom, purpose, life. That's what, that's what he wants. And so today I want to talk about, like, how do we get that? And I want to talk first about three things that can lead to a haunted heart. These are things I've all experienced and maybe you've experienced Three things that can lead us to a haunted heart. If you like taking notes, I would maybe write these things down. Maybe you're going to wrestle with them and go, okay, is that me? The first one is this. Um, sometimes we can be haunted by past disappointments. Sometimes, you know, disappointments in life can tend to come back and haunt us later in life. I have found that the most memorable moments of my life tend to be my greatest accomplishments and my greatest disappointments. That's what I found. I, I remember, I actually, I can only remember a few things from my childhood. I had a great childhood. I have a terrible long-term memory. I have a really good short-term memory, but a terrible long-term memory. And I can remember those specific moments of my childhood. And some of them, I remember them because I was so deeply disappointed. I, I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, when I was about 12 years old, um, I loved playing basketball. I play. How many of you play basketball? How many of you love basketball? Come on, just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. NBA season started, so I'm excited. Um, you know, and I love playing basketball. And I, I love playing with my family. My dad played basketball. My brother did, and so we would play often. And um, I remember this one particular time. 
we were jumping in the car to drive to the rec center. I lived in Whitehall, Far East Rec Center. And we were, we were going there to play basketball. And one thing you need to know, not only did I have a big game, but I also talked a big game. You need to know something about basketball, okay, on the court. It's not just about how good you are, but it's about how much smack talk, you, how good you are at talking trash on the court. And so we're on our way to this, and, and I'm just talking all kinds of trash to my dad. Now, listen, I had never beat him before, but that never stopped me, okay? I still talk trash the whole time. Finally, we get down there, and I think he's getting tired of it. And he says, all right, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Some of you heard this story before, but many of you haven't. And I said, I, said I, I, don't, I don't have any money. You know, I'm like 12 years old. I've got like eight bucks or something, you know. And he was like, all right. He says, how about this? Let's play a little game. You know, we're going to play to 10, win by two, by ones, make it, take it. You know the rules of basketball, right? And he said, if you beat me, he said, I'll give you $1,000. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 12 years old, like, you know, I'm just seeing dollar signs. And, and I'm like, okay, but I, I don't have $1,000. Like, I, I can't pay up. He said, ah, no, don't worry about it. He said, if I beat you, he said, you just have to pay me $1. Now, who's not taking that bet, right? One to a thousand all day, every day. So I'm like, fine, we shook on it. We get out on the court, and I'm just telling you, I don't know what came over me. Spirit of Michael Jordan came into me. I'm just, I have no, I just, I'm dropping shots all over the court. I'm way out, throwing up bumps. Everything is going in. I mean, it's going my way. And I'm beating them like nine to five, one point away from a thousand dollars. And all of a sudden, my dad flipped a switch. I didn't know he had this switch. He got so up in my face, like he wouldn't even let me get another shot off. There's a good thing there weren't refs there because I'm sure most of it were fouls, but no one to call it. And he is all up. I'm back at half court, just like chucking the ball, thinking just a prayer's chance. If it goes in, I get a thousand dollars. He ended up coming back and beating me 12 to 10. I was so angry. Because $1,000 slipped right through my fingers. I slammed the ball down. I went straight to the car, got inside, and I didn't say a word to him the rest of that day. I wasn't angry at him. Listen, I was disappointed. Do you remember moments when you've been disappointed in life? I know that's funny. It's cute. Oh, pastor, oh, you you missed out on $1,000. Wow, tough, you know? Let let me just tell you that when you're a kid, that, that feels like a lot of disappointment. As you get older... You're going to find out life's going to deal you even harsher disappointments. Because I've not just lost that. I've lost other things. A big disappointment I went through a few years ago. Our church is trying to get ready to build a building there in Canal Winchester. And uh, w- part of that plan was to sell off a portion of our property. And, and so we're, we're coming up on it. And we need the money. And so we, we had met with a realtor who had a client who was interested in buying about five acres of our property. And we're like, absolutely, we'll, we'll do this. And the deal was so good. I, I, I don't know how else to describe this, but we, we were going to make about two and a half times what we paid for the entire property for the front five acres. That's how much it appreciated. And, and so I'm like, oh, you got, this is amazing. This is amazing. And so we're meeting, we're hashing it out. We got lawyers going back and forth, contract. We finally get all the things worked out. Everything is ironed out. It's great. All that it needs is for their board that's in Virginia to sign off on it. And their, this organization's buying up property everywhere. And all of a sudden something shifted that month and they decided to change courses 
as an organization. And what I was so excited about that was going to net us millions of dollars, they decided to back out. And I'm telling you, you want to talk about disappointment? That's ma- I, Listen, when I was a kid, I lost $1,000. As an adult, I've lost millions. And all I could tell you was I, I was deflated, disappointed. I mean, I, I feel like that's not even a strong enough word to describe it. And I know I'm not the only one that's had some disappointments. I know many of you have too. There's that job that you really wanted so desperately that time, and you thought, man, I'm, it's a perfect job, perfect promotion. I, I am, I'm the most qualified. I should get this. And then they gave it to somebody else that you think was less qualified than you. That's really disappointing. Some of you have, have been disappointed by people. Like maybe when your parents sat you down and they said, hey, we're getting a divorce. And your whole world just kind of collapsed in that moment. Or maybe, maybe you've been disappointed by the way life has treated you. You didn't get into that program and, and it's not gone the way. And, and when, when we deal with life's disappointments, something happens to our heart. When we're disappointed by people. But you know what I think maybe is even worse than that? Some of you, you would say, it's not the disappointment of other people, but some of you have been, what you would say, disappointed by God. I know I have. There are things that maybe you've prayed for desperately. Like I'm believing with everything in me. Oh God, we need this, we need this. And then it didn't come through. Some of you prayed for somebody that you loved, that God would somehow bring them out of that sickness. God would heal them. And he didn't. And you're disappointed. Disappointed God. I get it. So, some of you have, you know, prayed that God would save your marriage. And it didn't get saved. So, some of you have been praying for your kids to turn around because they're running the wrong direction. They're getting into things they shouldn't be getting. It's going to destroy their life. And they haven't made no sign of turning around. And when we're in those places, let's just be honest. When we get disappointed by people, we can get disappointed by God. Can I tell you what happens, what's happened in my life when this happens? that my hope meter begins to drain. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm hopeful that good things are going to happen, but then it starts to go down. My faith, my faith, my trust in God, is, it, start, it starts to wane. Has that ever happened to you? Has it ever gone down or am I the only one? Because if I could just be real with you about, about this today, um, disappointment has sometimes caused me to doubt whether or not God's going to do something for me. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. And I know in my mind the truth. You, you can know that. You, you can say, I know that God is real. And I know that God uh, um, can do miracles. I've read in the Bible. I've seen it myself. I've seen God heal people before. I have seen God do amazing things before. And so it's like in my mind, I know God. Okay, God, you're faithful. You're good. You're creator. You're sovereign. I know that. But if I could be honest, that at those times in my heart, past disappointments causes me to question whether or not God would do this for me. Okay, I see he does stuff for other people, but I don't think he would do it for, for me. This is what disappointment does. And, and some of you have maybe gotten to a place in your faith where, where you've lost hope. You, you've lost hope that life's going to get any better. You've lost hope that your world's going to turn around. You've lost hope that God is really there. 
And when, when we lose hope, man, that's when we get to a place where our heart really gets haunted. Proverbs 13, 12. Let me, let me share this, this one verse with you because it's so true. It speaks to life that we experience. It speaks to the ghost of disappointment. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart what? Everybody say that word. Makes the heart. Have you ever felt sick inside? Because the thing I desperately need God to do, the thing I desperately need from my spouse, the thing I desperately needed from, doesn't happen. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is like a tree of life. In other words, when things come true, what, what you hope happen happens. When, when, when the very thing you so desperately want comes true, okay, now it's a tree of life, I feel good. But let's be real, when, when hope delays, when answers delay, disappointment sets in, that's, that's when our hearts get sick, they get haunted. And so I get to this place where I believe in God, but, but I don't know that he's really going to do it for me. And some of you, maybe that, that's what's haunting you. Maybe, maybe you're haunted by past disappointments, disappointments. Maybe it's this one. Let me give you another one. Maybe some of you maybe are haunted by past hurts. I'm not even going to ask if you've ever been hurt by someone because that's part of the human experience. It's not a good part, but it's a real part. And we all heard that adage, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We all know that's not true, right? You know that's not true. If I could reword it, I'd probably say sticks and stones may break my bones, but names may break my heart. Because that's what, that's what really happens. And you know they say that um, emotional pain is so real some would say that it even feels more real than physical pain. And, and here's what I know is that all of us have probably been hurt by other people. Some of you have a wound from a parent or somebody that was an elder over you that said some things to you that have caused deep insecurities in your life. And you carry it with you all the time. Or maybe, maybe I don't know if this happened to you, but maybe just one. Have you ever noticed one little comment from the in-laws? Or shall I say the outlaws? One, you know what I'm talking about? Or they just, they make one little comment. It's just a little snide remark about your cooking. Little remark about the house. Little snide remark about, you know, this. And, and what do we do? We just like, oh, I just, I let it brush up. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. It's a big deal. Let's be honest. Like you just tuck that one away. I know it's my husband's family and I'm, I love him. So I'm going to love them. But, but, but deep down inside, it does something to you. Let's be honest. Some of you have been hurt by other people who have said just horrific things to you. I mean, w one of the great tragedies that I see today, and, and maybe because of social media, we see it more and more prevalent, is bullying. So many people bullied. And it used to be that bullying was, was kind of like limited to the playground or limited to a school place or work or someplace like that. And then you go home and you get a relief from it. But can I tell you that today with social media, there is no relief from it. There's people that would just, they think they're all big and bad because they can hide behind a screen or a screen name and they can send things and they send on Snapchat and then it disappears so that nobody sees it and it never really happened. But if you saw it, guess what? It really happened. Some of you have been bullied. And you still feel that at times. It haunts us. Maybe you were abandoned by somebody that walked out on you a relationship or your spouse did something that betrayed you. Had a business partner that stole from you or you know an area that i think sometimes we kind of laugh off like it doesn't hurt but we all know it actually does 
is when somebody finally unfollows or unfriends you on social media. And we kind of chuckle and we're like, ah, it's not a big deal. You know it's a big deal. That's why every time you flip it on and all of a sudden you see your number of friends or followers goes down, you start scrolling through to see who dropped you. You know what I mean? Because there's something sick inside of us all that wants to know who did that. Like it's real. We've been hurt. And here's what happens. I want you to understand what happens when you get hurt. What, what happens when my heart gets hurt? When we get hurt, we go into this self-protection mode and we wrap caution tape around our hearts. Caution, no, I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting anybody in. I've been hurt, so I'm going to create distance. I'm going to create a gap in my relationship. Can I tell you what happens? You might create distance from that person that's hurt you, but what you also end up doing is creating distance between you and all your other relationships. Because there's something inside you that begins to shrink back and the pain of it. And you start to think, is this real? Am I really this way? And one of the greatest tragedies is that when we get hurt by other people, we tend to put distance between us and God. God, why, why did you allow this? I, I see this all the time when, when people start having trouble in their family life, trouble in their finances, trouble in their marriage. They disappear. They stop coming to church. They just disconnect. They disconnect from God. That's the worst part about all that. And it creates distance. And, and you know what we kind of have believed over time? Because some of us have never dealt with it. We've kind of believed this old phrase. You ever heard this one? Uh, time heals all what? See, we've all heard that. Can I tell you again? That's a lie. Time does not heal all wounds. I, I know... I don't feel the emotional ache of it as much, but it doesn't mean that it's not haunting me. Time does not heal all wounds. I will say this. God did create something in us. Now, this is of God. That we naturally heal after getting injured. Have you ever noticed that? Have you, I'm sure you've been cut, maybe broken a bone, done something, you know what I mean, like that. Uh, I, I actually have a scar right on the very hairline uh, of my forehead where playing around when I was a kid went flying hit a coffee table split my forehead open had to go to the ER had to get stitches doctor clean it all out and I know now you're going okay well I don't see it so time heals all wounds no it's actually not time that healed all wounds Do you know why you don't see it do you know why this is healed because I went to a doctor because someone cleaned it out someone stitched it up and now it could heal you understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we've gone through hurts. We have not dealt with them. And we go, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Jesus does. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Come on. Jesus, God created the healing process in your body. And God is the one who does the healing process in your heart. Time does not heal. If I do not get my cut addressed, it gets infected. And it destroys the rest of my life. Time doesn't help. Jesus does. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time that you maybe took a hurt and you kind of surrendered it to him and you said, I need you to heal this? He is a physician. He wants to heal not just your body, but your, your heart. I love these words that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. One time Jesus said this. as Right before he began his mission on earth in Luke 4, Jesus said these words about what he came to do. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me he said to preach the gospel to the poor and then he said these words he has sent me to do what everybody say these words out loud he has sent me to heal the broken 
hearted. I want you to know what Jesus said he came to do. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To, to recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus said, this is why I came. If you wonder why in the world would God, the Son of God, leave heaven to come earth, Jesus told us why. Because so many of us are hurt, we're broken, experiences, pain, and, and we're going through life trying to, to make it. And Jesus says, that's not the life I came to give you. I came to give you life and life more abundantly, life fullest. And so many of us are we're haunted by, by our past hurts. And I, and I know some of you, maybe you, you feel like you've been haunted by things that people have done to you. But I want to share a third way that maybe we also get haunted. And that is not what other people do to us, but sometimes what we do to ourselves. I'm talking about being haunted by our past or my past failures. I, I think all of us can relate to this. Maybe, maybe you've had a great life and you haven't had a lot of people hurt you. That's great. Maybe you haven't had a lot of disappointment. That's awesome. But I, I bet every single one of us can relate to this idea of, of being haunted by our past failures. And sometimes when, when we mess up, I think one of the things we, we want to do is we want to play it off a little bit. We want to act like it wasn't that big of a deal. Have you ever heard somebody say when you confront them about something that they did or said? And they'll say, oh man, come on, I'm just human. I just, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. You know what I mean? Like some people, a couple of you will get that reference. Right? Like, I, I just, I made a mistake, man. Sorry, just made a mistake. C can we stop talking about making mistakes when we do things intentionally? See, when I, when I understand a mistake to be, a mistake is when you do something by accident. A mistake is when, when you accidentally got the wrong brand and the wrong thing at the grocery store to bring home to your wife. That's a mistake. I'm sorry. My bad. I grabbed the wrong thing. I did not do this to make you mad. That's a, that's a mistake. Can we agree that's an honest mistake? I've done that. That's why I'm talking about it. Like, you got the wrong kind. I'm sorry. You know, I made a mistake. It's not the same thing, though, when we do things to other people intentionally or on purpose. Can we disagree? That's not a mistake. Oh, I mistakenly cheated on you. It's just a mistake. I'm sorry, man. We're all human. Dude, that's not going to fly. I mistakenly stole this from you. I don't know what happened. I just, it was a mistake. No, that wasn't a mistake. You did it on purpose. And I think we should stop saying that. In fact, you know what the Bible calls when we do these things on purpose? The Bible calls it sin. And we don't like that word. I mean, so you're like, oh, not me. I'm a good person. I'm not a sinner. Can, can we just agree? You're not just a mistaker. You're a sinner. I don't just make mistakes. In fact, you remember that long list that Jesus said flows out of your heart? Those aren't mistakes. Those are sins. Envy, greed, malice, slander, theft. I'm, I'm talking about these are sins. These are things that we do intentionally that hurt other people and that hurt God. I've done these things. I, I'm not a mistaker. I just want to. I just want to confess to you, I'm a sinner. But I, I want to say this, and I, and I know that I maybe some of you don't believe in God. Okay, that's fine. I'm glad you're here. 
You don't have to believe in God to come. Come join us, man. We've got great music for Halloween. All right, we're going to do some cool stuff. We'll have a blast, right? But there's a lot of people who say, I don't believe in God. When you don't believe in God, you don't believe that there's right and wrong. You don't believe that there's sin. Now we make mistakes. Hey, listen, I feel like I don't even really need to have that conversation with you because here's what I know to be true. You know. You know when you've done things wrong. I don't need to talk. I don't need to remind you of that. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't come here to do that. And you know how I know? It's because I feel emotions like guilt. Oh, gosh, I feel awful. I, really, I hurt you. I misled you. I, did, I, feel, I, I felt guilt. I feel shame. Oh, I feel so... Why do I do that? What's wrong with me? Have you ever thought that inside? Can I tell you, that's your conscience bearing witness. That's God's spirit leaning in saying, this is not what I've designed you for. And so I don't, I don't think we need to even question that, but I, I, I didn't say all this just to kind of bum you out today. I didn't say all this stuff to make you feel bad about yourself, okay? We're, we're all in the same boat together. But what I wanted to say more than anything is that I've got some really good for, news for you if you feel like your heart is haunted. I've got some good news for you if you feel like I've made so many mistakes. I've made so many sins. I've hurt so many people. And that is this, that God is so gracious, that God is so loving, that if you will come to him and you will just confess it, he will forgive you and he will wipe the slate clean. And he is such a good God who gives great grace. Amen, church. Come on. If you believe that, why don't you respond like you believe that? I need God's grace. And here's what it takes. It takes a humble heart. Well, I have a haunted heart, but listen, if you have a humble heart, you can experience that. I love what 1 John 1, 9 tells us that we can do. It says this, if we confess our sins, He, God, Son of God, Jesus, He is faithful and He is just. And He will forgive us. This is the greatest news ever. Forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, all you have to do, you don't have to go work it off. All you have to do is you have to come with a humble heart to God. And you say, God, I did this and I've been running my life my way and I've been doing my own thing and I've hurt people and I know that there's all this stuff inside of me, but I'm here today with a humble heart saying, God, will you forgive it? And in that moment, guess what? God will forgive it. He'll wipe the slate clean. He'll give you grace instead of your guilt. Listen, you, you can spend your whole life, your whole life if you resist it. And this is what we do sometimes. You can spend your whole life full of regret you can spend it experiencing full of God's grace. I don't want to live my life full of regret. That God was leaning into me in a moment like this and I didn't respond. I had the opportunity to preach last week for a good friend of mine, Pastor Matt Johnson from the tree. He invited me a while ago. I'd come preach to his church. And when I got done preaching one of the services. I was out in the uh, foyer. And there was this guy that came and approached me. I, a lot of people did. But this, I, I, I didn't forget this moment. Kind of like this big, kind of burly, strong guy. A little bit older. He was probably in his 60s. Had his big old beard, ZZ Top type of beard, you know. Had a trucker hat. I mean, just kind of a man's man, strong, burly guy. And he, and he walked up to me. And he said to me, he said, um, I feel like I've wasted my entire life. He said, just this year, I finally came to a point where I gave my life, my heart to Jesus. But he said to me, he said, this is, again, this is not what you'd picture. Strong, you know, big beard guy, tears in his eyes. He looked at me and he said, 
but I feel like I wasted my whole life. I could just sense the haunting of his heart because of his past failures. And I just looked at him, knowing the grace of God, and I said, Sir, what happened all of your life is behind you. I said, the only thing that matters is right now and for all eternity. I said, that's what matters. And God's grace is good enough to reach you in your 60s. And God's grace is good enough to make you brand new right now and for the rest of your life. And that's all that matters was the fact that he responded to the grace of God at some point in his life. And I just want to say, because sometimes we come and maybe God is speaking to you today. Maybe there's something in your heart that you're going, that's me. So easy sometimes to walk out of an experience like this and just shrug it off. As, you know, yeah, it's hitting me, but I'm just going to shrug it off. Can I tell you that every time you do that, your heart gets a little bit harder. That a haunted heart, if not dealt with, eventually leads to a hardened heart. And then you get to a point where it's like, I don't, I don't really sense that anymore. I feel like God's so distant. He's so far away. That's not God. That's you refusing to respond in this moment. And I want to tell you what will happen because I believe some of you here today, some of you in Lancaster online, you, you, you need to respond to this. You need to respond to this message today. And here's what will happen if you humble your heart. And you say, God, I need you to lead me. Don't follow your heart. Can I tell you what you should do? Follow Jesus. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. If you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you from this point forward, just like that old man, I'm just that older guy. He's like, I'm going to follow you from here on out. Let me tell you what God's going to do, and because this is what God told the nation of Israel. And one last verse, I'm done. Ezekiel 36. God spoke to a nation who had turned their back on God. They had, they had a hard heart. They turned away. And God spoke to them in Ezekiel 36. And I love what he said to them. He said this, when you turn back to me, he said, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I love this. This is a promise from God. He said this, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. The hardened, haunted heart. I will take it out and I will replace it. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart heart but it happens when you get to a point of saying i'm going to surrender my heart to you jesus i'm going to follow you and i believe that maybe some of you today this is not just another sunday but this is a real moment where it's time to respond to god and allow him to heal your heart come on would you all stand to your feet as we pray and we close would you just bow your heads would you close your eyes and just in this moment i just i want us to respect this moment because i believe that god wants to do something Father, I thank you for your grace. God, that I don't deserve your grace, but you're so loving. You're so generous that you give it anyways. God, I sense right now that your Holy Spirit is speaking to many. That God, we're living with a haunted heart and that is not how you intended for us to live. I pray right now for those who have been hurt by others, those who have been hurt by disappointment, those who have felt the guilt and shame of their own sins and failures. God, we do not need to live that way, but I pray right now, Lord, that we would sense your grace and we would respond to your mercy. God, I pray for every person here that, that Lord, has been oppressed, that, 
feels broken, that does not uh, know you, that maybe feels distant from you, that right now in this moment, Lord, as we turn to you, as we lean into you, as we surrender our heart to you and say, we'll follow you, I pray, God, for the miracle of that exchange that you will give us a new heart. You will put a new spirit in us. Take out the stony, stubborn heart and, God, replace it with a tender, responsive heart. One that we can experience you, God, and walk in the fullness that you have for us. And so today, God, we're going to choose to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.